You're listening to The Preppy Podcast, and I'm your host, Patricia May Olson. I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch and listen to past episodes at thepreppypodcast.com, and be sure to follow at The Preppy Podcast and me, Patricia underscore May underscore Olson on Instagram. Hello and welcome back to the Preppy Podcast. As you guys are listening to this new episode, I actually will be at the Southern Sea, uh, which is where I love to connect with other people. So if you are heading to the Southern Sea, uh, definitely come and say hi to me. And then next month, I'll be at the New England Coastal Creative, which I also love. But I want to get into today's episode, and you guys are already familiar with it. Um, So Docent is a brand that I've talked about here before, and I am interviewing the founder. So they are changing the way that people discover and shop for original art. I have a piece of art from them. Um, They just really connect artists with consumers, and their site is super easy to shop. So I love that. I'm really interested to talk with the founder today and learn about the concept, how she came up with it, um, how she finds artists, and for any artists listening, how you guys can connect with her and um, have her help sell your art as well. So let's get into this episode. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tessa Erkeley, and I am the founder and owner of Docent, which is an online artist collective that represents emerging artists from all over the world. Um, I'm originally from Washington, D.C., um, right outside in Alexandria, Virginia, but I recently moved with my family to Charleston, South Carolina. So we've been here for about a year and a half, um, we were sort of your typical COVID move, and my husband also had the opportunity to relocate for his job, and so we decided to take the risk and head south, and I do credit our move down here um, for really being the impetus to starting Docent. There's a huge creative community in Charleston and a lot of female entrepreneurs and business owners. So I'm in good company down here and it's been a, a wonderful change and adjustment for us. That's so amazing. And I'm so jealous you live in Charleston. It's one of my favorite <laughs> cities. <laughs> yes, it is and- wonderful. And like you said, I I know there are a ton of, you know, artisans down there and creatives and entrepreneurs. So I feel like it it must be a wonderful place to live. Um, And I always like to start the podcast sort of back at the beginning. So I'm curious, um, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Were you um, creative or entrepreneurial? Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So I did grow up right outside of D.C. um, in Alexandria, Virginia. It's in Northern Virginia suburb um, and had a very, you know, normal childhood. I was definitely a creative child. I remember um, as a kid always saying I wanted to be a dancer or an artist or a writer. Um, So certainly had those creative impulses early on. And My grandfather uh, actually was a professional artist and art teacher. And so I do credit him 
for instilling that passion for visual arts early on. He was a potter. And so I was lucky enough as a kid to sit at his potter's wheel and get all messy and muddy with the clay. Um, And that was a really fun experience that I think did give me that appreciation for the arts. That's super cool. And it's funny to look back. Um, I'm sure maybe back then you didn't think you'd have a business uh, with art, but it's funny to see, you know, the connections back then. And I'm sure it was really fun to to watch your grandfather make his creations and um, I'm sure give you a great appreciation for art, all sorts of it. It did. And my house is full of his pottery. Mm. He's no longer living, but it's, it's a wonderful connection because it, you know, his, these pieces will last forever and I can pass them down to my kids and they have that story, which I think makes art all the more meaningful. Definitely. I mean, that is so special that you still have a lot of his pieces. Yeah. Um, and I, I will say uh, in terms of the entrepreneurial spirit, I definitely have always had that. I remember, you know, you hear a lot from entrepreneurs saying the lemonade stand and Um, Certainly did that, but I've also dabbled in all sorts of side hustle businesses as long as I can remember. Ever since I graduated college, I've um, run my own fitness business. I was a bar instructor for a long time, and uh, pre-COVID, I made um, charcuterie boards, so these you know big, bountiful charcuterie boards, and. COVID sort of put a pin in that, um, unfortunately, but I think this new endeavor with Docent is really a blend of all of my passions. I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on this more, but I actually have a background in marketing and website development, branding, and then obviously my personal passion for art. Um, and so it's it's really been fun and exciting to, to blend sort of both sides of my personality and experience. Certainly. And I I agree with that. I feel like some of us, we just have that entrepreneurship bug and we're always finding, you know, new things to do and ideas for businesses and then going after them. I'm totally the same way. I feel like even in college, I was like, I'm going to have a digital magazine and then like pursued that with a web developer and all of that. And, um, so it, it's hard to stop creating and yeah. um, it's it's always fun. <laughs> yeah, it's probably in the genes, must yeah. be in the genes. <laughs> Definitely. So when it came time um, for college, I'm curious what you ended up studying where you went. Yeah, so I went to Virginia Tech and I studied marketing and international business. And at the beginning of my college career, I really wanted a much more visual, creative career. I thought about graphic design. I even considered studio art, um, but had a few bugs in my ear encouraging me to pursue a more realistic, quote unquote, um, practical major. And so marketing seemed like sort of a happy medium between the two. And thankfully, I had a lot of um, high school credits when I came into college. So I had ample room in my schedule to add in those art classes and um, art history as well, which I really enjoyed. Um, But my background um, is actually in marketing. Oh, wow. Um, I feel like that's so helpful for a lot of people that I interview and a lot of people um, 
end up going into marketing or communications because it's kind of that medium between um, something so structured and a little bit creative still. So I do, yeah. I do find that a lot with my interviews. Yeah, and I, I think it's a really great background to have no matter what direction your career takes. I mean, this day and age, you know, with social media, it's like you've got to market even yourself. Um, so it's certainly uh, an education that I'm grateful to have. Definitely. Okay, so you got your marketing degree, and then mm -hmm. what was next? What was your first career in, um, or maybe that that career journey before you started your own business? Yeah, so I graduated uh, college in 2009, so right on the heels of the recession, which was very challenging to find a job. Um, so I actually spent a little bit of time waiting tables, actually, at a restaurant near where I grew up. And a couple months later, got my first, you know, big girl job at a regional magazine in Washington, D.C. called Washingtonian. It's mm -hmm. still around. Mm -hmm. um, but I was on the business side. So it was a very split publication, editorial and business didn't really communicate all that much. Um, and I worked on advertising proposals and subscriptions. And as much as I loved the magazine world and, and print media, it was a tough time for mm -hmm. print media back in 2009. I mean, you're still seeing the effects of it now with magazines folding. And I also made no money, uh, which was very hard when you're just trying to get settled in an apartment on your own post-college. And so after a year or two, I made the switch um, to join at a tech startup. And this is really where I feel like I cut my teeth mm. in the digital first data-driven type of marketing that really sort of set my career off um, from there. And I spent, you know, the next several years at a couple different roles in the DC area. Um, most recently, prior to launching Dosen, I actually worked in sports. So I feel like, you know, like I said earlier, this marketing career really, or marketing background rather, can really take you into any industry you want to. Um, and during COVID, I actually was laid off from that position at the sports company. Um, like two thirds of us were because sports was wow. really hit hard during that time with people not being able to, you know, go watch games yeah. in person and that sort of thing. And so that was right around the time that we decided to relocate. And I was sort of, you know, kind of thinking through what's my next game plan. And the, the job market is a lot different in Charleston than it is in DC. And I simultaneously am in a new home, trying to make decisions about furniture and interior design and obviously art, and realize that shopping for art is very overwhelming. <laughs> and it can be intimidating too. Um, there's this sort of like gatekeeping thing that happens in the art world that I think is very old fashioned and it put a bad taste in my mouth. And I just had this simple thought of why can't I make a place where people can shop for art without feeling intimidated, where prices are displayed publicly and there's no fancy terminology that might make people feel uncomfortable. Um, but then at the same time, really support artists 
because I don't have the expense of a brick and mortar gallery on a major street downtown, you know, I can give the majority of money back to artists, which is sort of a, a soft spot in my heart, like I said, because of my history with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really important for me to create a digital space that truly supported artists by giving them, you know, the most of the money when a piece sells, but then also uh data-driven environment that an artist may not have the skill set to create on their own or may just not even have an interest. You know, it takes time away from their time in the studio when you've got to be running an e-commerce site and a newsletter and social media and all of that. Um, From my experience, and I've talked to a lot of artists over the past year, it's really not what they prefer to be spending their time doing. And with my background in that space, you know, that's what I I love to do and think I'm pretty good at it. That's amazing. And I do, I love your site because um, it makes it easy to shop in kind of all in one place. You can filter through, you know, if you like more florals or more landscapes, um, it it makes it really easy to shop for because I do feel like, you know, you could go to a gallery in your local town, but it might be a little stuffy or they might not be that welcoming. Or, you know, on the internet, if you just Google something, it's like, are you getting a print or are you going on an Etsy shop? And I don't know. I've just had a lot of issues right. with that or getting something that's much smaller than you realized or um, there's so many, so many loopholes through that. So I love how you're making it easy and approachable um, and kind of, you know, putting some ease for the artist in it too then. Yeah. And that was my experience too. You know, I, I personally do enjoy the discovery process Mm -hmm. of finding new artists and art, but I don't know if the average person necessarily does. And even if they do, they don't necessarily have the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did want to provide a lot more filtering options. You know, you can filter by where an artist is from or the colors that you'd like to be featured prominently in the piece. Um, you know, these terminology that's very easy to understand, like you said, floral, uh, landscape, Mm -hmm. print, you know, very easily digestible. Certainly. So, um, you moved to Charleston, you have this great idea. What are the like next steps? Like, how did you go from, idea to having a website, having artists on there. Um, Walk me through that process a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So I built the site out myself from scratch, which took a very long time. (laughs) Um, And in building the site out and starting to find artists and inventory, that was a hurdle that I was a little bit intimidated by myself. I thought, you know, how are these artists going to take me seriously. There's, I don't really have much to show for myself yet. Um, So I'm essentially asking them to just trust me. And I was worried about how that was going to go over. And I had had a few just informal conversations with artists that are friends of mine um, to kind of figure out what pain points were and how I could help solve problems for artists, emerging artists. And honestly, it just sort of took off. I got maybe one or two who agreed to partner with me. And then through word of mouth and Instagram, word just kind of spread. And I 
am grateful that I've had no problems at all finding very talented artists who aren't necessarily well-known. They don't have huge followings, but none of that is needed. You know, that doesn't make art good. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been great. And I've met artists truly all over the world. Um, At this point, I'm only selling in the U.S., but hopefully that will change um, in the near term. And right now, my focus is really on building an audience, and that takes time, mm-hmm. you know, building that customer base. No, definitely. And I, um, you know, I think it's it's hard to build an audience for sure, but I think once you have that audience and they buy their first piece from you, um, then they'll go back to you because they're like, oh, this process was really easy. You know, even the piece that I got from you came so beautifully presented, like it was wrapped gorgeously um, and it was a really nice experience. So I think that's sort of how you build, um, you know, that that customer base and strengthen it. Um, I also think it's interesting what you said that, when you were reaching out to artists at first, you know, you didn't have that much to show. And I think that's with every business though, you know, like even me, when I started my PR business, someone has to be the first customer, someone has to be the first (laughs) client and they have to kind of um, take a risk and believe in you. And I think that's what's so important as, um, as you grow, as I grow, as other entrepreneurs grow is to remember that person that took a shot um, and took a chance on them and to, to pass that forward. Oh my gosh, so true. And I I cannot wait to start paying it forward. I hope sooner rather than later I'm in that position because it's true. You Sometimes I feel like my job is just emailing people and asking for things and asking for advice and you get so many no's. Mm-hmm. And when a yes finally comes through, it's personal. You know, there are there's a real person behind every small business and it makes that much more of a difference versus, you know, big box humongous corporations. Definitely. So, let's talk a little bit more about Docent then. So, how many artists do you have on there right now? Like tell people if they go to your website sort of what they can find today. How many artists? What um we talked a little bit about different kinds of art that they can find. Um but tell tell everyone a little bit more about that. Definitely. So, we're at about 20 artists right okay. now. Um and when I launched the site last summer, um I started with, I want to say 16 or 17, and all 17 had a collection release because I wanted to have enough inventory on the site where the filtering worked properly and there was a little something for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, But since then, I've moved to an individual release model where a single artist will release a collection. It's usually between like eight to 10 pieces, and that way we have a much more concise focus from a branding and marketing standpoint, from storytelling and and giving each artist sort of a platform to tell their story. It's been a little, uh, frankly, easier on my end since it's just me to focus on one release at a time. Um, And this year, 2023, we're going to start to see new releases from existing artists. So that's exciting to see second collections coming out from artists who launched with me last year. Um, But there will be new artists as well, which I'm excited about growing our roster and our family of artist partners. 
That's super exciting. So yeah. that actually makes me curious. How do you pick your artist or pieces that um, you're going to have on your website? Like what's that process like, especially for, you know, maybe there's some artists listening and are interested. Yeah, definitely. So there is an application on the site. It's down in the footer um, and it's a, a fairly simple application process, really just submitting a portfolio, any social media presence that might be helpful to see. Um, and then the way that Docent is set up, I actually don't hold any inventory. The artists themselves, who are sprinkled across the world, have all of the pieces. And so they are responsible for shipping the artwork when it sells. Okay. And so I am looking for artists who have experience doing that because it is not easy to put art through the mail. Um especially if we're talking about larger pieces that require insurance and you know I I want to be sure that I uphold a level of service and quality. Um so definitely important that an artist has had experience doing that with their work. But other than that, you know there's no real specific style that I'm looking for. I always say contemporary art. And to me, that that just means art that has been made by a living artist. Um, but I truly do try to have a wide mix of styles and genres so that there truly is something for everyone. And I have in the past couple months started incorporating some more three-dimensional offerings. So we had an artist um, who's actually here in Charleston. She makes these beautiful paintings, but then affixes ceramic flowers and other, you know, snails and bumblebees and things like that onto the canvas. So they have this three-dimensional, really unique um, look to them, as well as an artist who does embroidery. She's based in the UK. And eventually would love to offer pottery and ceramics. So I, I really am open to any and all styles of art. That's so cool. And I've seen some of <clears throat> those 3D pieces that you described, and they are beautiful and um, mm -hmm. so unique. Very. Yeah, they really are statement makers, I think, in a space. Yeah. And I'm interested in these embroidered pieces, too. I'm going to have to check them mm -hmm. out. Mm-hmm. She Her collection actually sold out, but she oh. is working on a second one. So I think in February or March, we'll have some more of those embroidered pieces. They, I bought one myself. They're wonderful. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, what would you say is the hardest part about what you do, about being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. having your own business? Like what, what's the hard part? Um, oh, there are a lot of hard parts, to be <laughs> honest. I would say say probably prioritizing because it is only me and it can sometimes feel like you are pulled in a thousand different directions um, and you got to pick and choose sometimes because it can't all get done in one day and I think the stress of social media is definitely something that that gets on me where you know I've had a few days where I'm like trying to do my taxes or payroll or something that needs to happen. And so I can't be as, um, you know, on, on social media. And then, you know, you feel like you're losing your connection with your customers, mm -hmm. or your potential customers. And 
So I've sort of had to come to terms with the fact that it can't all get done every day Mm -hmm. and to try to be fully focused on the task at hand rather than sending an email and then hopping on Instagram and then running payroll, hopping back on Instagram. It's like, this is the block of time that I am devoting to this one task and then move to the next and you do as much as you can before I got to go pick my kids up. (laughs) No, it's definitely hard to balance, hard to find time to do it all. Um, and you know, put a hundred percent in when you're doing one thing and not get distracted or pull it in another direction during it. Yes, definitely. What about your favorite part? What do you enjoy most? I think my favorite part, also a lot of favorite parts, I'll be honest. My <laughs> one of my favorite part is informing an artist when their piece sells. That's a really fun email to get to send. Um, but then I also really love seeing pieces in their final, you know, forever homes. Like I loved seeing your piece from Bly in your bedroom. Um, and I've had some other customers who end up sending me photos when they've got their piece either framed and hung up. Um, you know, that's a really special thing to see because it's art is personal. It's emotional. It's personal. It feels a little more permanent than some of the other purchases that we make. Mm -hmm. And so it's that much more meaningful when someone decides to patron docent, but also support an artist versus, you know, going somewhere else and buying a big box print of some sort. Definitely. I'm sure that's really cool to see how people display their art and where it sits in their home and um, kind of how they style it, for lack of a better word. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, you know, earlier we touched on that getting customers is, of course, hard for any business um, and a challenge. What's worked for you in terms of marketing, would you say? Yeah, I mean... Like I said, social media is sort of, I got a love-hate relationship with it, but it it definitely is, it's free, it's relatively easy. Um, I will say that that has been a big source of new customers and new potential customers. Um, I also have an email newsletter, so getting people's emails is helpful for just keeping everybody informed that new collections are coming out or this um, this one artist that you've shown interest with on the site, like here's uh, an artist whose work is similar. Maybe this is better in line with what you're looking for. Trying to find those personalization moments, I think, is helpful for creating um, a good customer relationship. And then I just started at the end of last year um, engaging a little bit with in-person events, which has been great. I have another one um, planned in the next couple months. And so far, we're just doing them in Charleston since that's where I'm based. But my hope is that this can become a national thing where, you know, I'm popping around to different states where some of our artists are based and we're giving customers an option to see the work if that makes them feel feel more comfortable in purchasing it, but also potentially meeting the artist behind the work too, which I think is very cool. Um, 
And that is something that I've tried to do on the site and social media as well. So I do truly believe that art can be sold online. And I think in a post-COVID world, we've become more comfortable with making purchases on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, But that sort of behind the scenes story can get lost sometimes. And so when we are talking about the digital world and online e-commerce, I'm trying to still bring that like personal, the story behind to the forefront. You know, I, I put artists faces on my website and on social media so that customers again can learn a little bit more about who they're supporting and what's hanging in their home. I love that. And I I think it's so smart to do little pop-up events um, so that people can even, you know, get to know you as the the person who created this business. So I think that's definitely a a great marketing strategy. Yes. And I think we sort of learned the hard way that sometimes being in person, like, is the best way to get to know somebody and, um, you know, remember what they're all about and what their business is about. Agreed. Um, this is probably a hard question, so you can give me a few answers, <laughs> but what's your favorite piece on your site right now? Oh, favorite piece. Oh, well, this is maybe uh, a tricky answer because some of my pa- favorite pieces have sold. I do <laughs> love um, Helen Wilde. She's the artist I mentioned it based in the UK who um, does the embroidery pieces mm-hmm. and they are sold out currently, but she's working on a second collection. Um, I I personally have a lot of very colorful abstract art in my home. Okay. And so I love Yvette Miller's work. She's also, funny enough, based in the UK. She's in London and does these very bold, bright abstract pieces. And they're on the smaller side too, which I think if you are new to abstract work and sort of scared of the color and not quite sure where to start, starting with a smaller piece that either you put in a powder room or as part of a gallery wall is sort of a good introduction to that style of work. Um, And then I also really love Nicole um, Russell Schlesinger. She's here in Charleston who does the ceramic pieces that I mentioned. Those are, I think are just so unique and a real conversation starter when people, you know, you have over at your house. And I love whenever people ask me like, Oh, what, tell me more about this piece in, in my house. I love being able to talk about the artist and anything I know about the process of how he or she created it. So is that something then, um, on your website, you also include that way when people buy their piece, they they sort of know more about it and can talk about it, like you mentioned? Yeah. So I always include the medium, whatever was used, whether it's paint or charcoal. Um, and then I leave it up to the artist to share however much they want. Okay. Um, there's a description piece to every product page. And the artist is really at liberty to give me as much or as little as they want. And so you will see that it, it does vary from artist to artist. Um, there are a couple who actually write poems that accompany their pieces. And so that's, you know, a super emotional, like inner look into 
um, the story behind the piece. And so sometimes you'll see that in the description. Other times it's a little more simple. And I think that because art is so personal, I've really kind of left that to the artist to decide how much they want to share. That's really cool. The poem's so unique. Yes. Yeah. So um, who would be, I have, it's like a, a double headed question. I feel like who would be your dream person, um, to collaborate with in terms of like, uh, someone purchasing art from your website, like a, a celebrity or a Royal or an influencer. And then my other side to that is who would be your dream artist to have, um, on your website? And it could be someone, you know, who's no longer with us, like a Monet or whatever. Like, I'm just curious, um, who your dreams would be. Yeah, definitely. Oh, what a good question. Um, so I think in terms of the first part of that question, who I would love to sell a piece to or partner with, um, First would be, I, I talk about this other podcast quite a bit on social media, Dave Chang. He's a restaurateur and entrepreneur, um, and he loves art and culture, and he has um, an art critic named Jerry Saltz on every now and then, and their conversations are always so interesting to listen to. Um, and I know that Dave Chang really appreciates art, although he does say that he's quite confused by it. So I would love to help him find a piece um, for his home or maybe even his restaurants. That would be cool. That would. Yeah. And then on more of a, a local scale, there's an influencer in Charleston named Grace Atwood, and mm -hmm. she has a wonderful, very enviable art collection. Um, so working with her would be very cool, too, um, to find a piece for her. Wonderful I think that's collection. a great answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the second half, artists that I would love to work with. There's an artist. I own a piece of hers that's very small. Um, she, Her name is Sally King Benedict. Yeah. And she is known for these faces. She's sort of taken a few different directions in the past several years, but her faces are are really something special. And you can always sort of make out an eye or an ear, um, but then they're very layered. And so I love a piece of art where every time I look at it, I see something new. Mm -hmm. And her pieces definitely do that. Um, so yeah, Sally would certainly be a dream artist to represent. That's a great answer. Um, so since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? Preppy to, mean, to me means fresh and modern. I think being preppy really involves uh, brightness and a positivity and just sort of a sunny outlook on life and the world. And I, I think that is very... Uh, inspiring to me personally. Definitely. It's colorful. It's bright. Um, that's a great answer. Now, we talked a little bit um, earlier. You mentioned if someone you know, wanted to buy an abstract piece for the first time, some tips for that. But I'm curious, do you have any other tips for someone um, who's looking to purchase their first piece of art um, and doesn't really know where to start? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I should mention too that I also offer art consulting sessions, which I think when you have, um, it, it could be a specific need, like a specific room or a, a more general conversation discussion about putting art in your home. That's always an option. It's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me um, to get a little more personal about what someone's needs are or where they're confused or looking for more direction. But otherwise, one of my biggest tips is to just look at art, whether it's going to museums or on social media or flipping through the coffee table books you have on your coffee table, but you never open them. <laughs> just look at art. That's one of the easiest ways to almost subconsciously teach yourself what you like. Um, I think there are other areas of your life that you can look to as well to help kind of inform what your personal style is. And I usually mention um, your closet first. Mm -hmm. The things that you choose to put on your body every day are obviously a representation of you. And looking at colors, textures, patterns can really be helpful um, to determining what you would feel good about having on your walls and looking at every day. Um, my other piece of advice, which I did mention earlier, is to start small, you know, take some of the pressure off of yourself. A small piece can go pretty much anywhere. And so that's a good place to kind of dip your toes in when you're starting to look to buy original art. Um, I would not spend too much time overthinking it either. You know, sometimes you really have to listen to your gut, which does take practice. Um, but when you have that kind of visceral reaction to something and you think, oh, I like that, I don't know why, that's what you want to lean into. So don't spend too much time overthinking things. Those are great tips. And I really liked the thing that you mentioned about looking in your closet. Um, I wouldn't mm -hmm. have thought to do that. But once you said that, it makes so much sense. Like I love color and um, bright and happy colors and prints. And that makes sense that I'd gravitate towards art that sort of is similar to like that because my home is decorated like that too. I love wallpapers and colors. So yeah, um, same. Yeah, that you makes know, complete sense. Looking even to landscaping, you know, choices you've made on the exterior of your house, you know, do you have a lot of colorful flowers or are your landscaping choices more like white and green and a little more simplified? You know, there's visual stimulus all around us. We just have to take the time to look at it and pay attention. Definitely. Now, um, What's a goal that you have for this new year in terms of business? Yeah, that's a great question. Definitely hosting some more events mm -hmm. um, because that was a lot of fun at the end of last year. So I, I do want to do that. And I want to start to incorporate some more technical functionality to the site. I actually had a plan A when I launched Docent. Um, that ended up being extremely expensive. Mm. And so I've put it on the back burner just in terms of how the site functions and like the level of personalization that I can offer. Okay. Um, so I would love, you know, now that the site is up and running and I've been selling art, I would love to start to make some of those more um, complicated technical advancements to the site to make it a, a little more 
of a modern experience for customers. That's great. I think those are both great goals. Um, Now, what is next for you? Like, can you tell us, obviously, these are some goals that you just talked about, but what's like your next collection release that people can look out for or maybe um, a new artist that you're adding soon that we can check out? Yeah, so I do have a few existing artists who are launching new collections, including Bly, who piece you have. Yes. Um, she's doing these really beautiful um, paintings that are sort of floral in nature, but then she pours resin over the top, which is almost like a, I don't want to say plastic finish, but it, it gives it that sort of smooth, shiny look that I, I think is also very unique um, and special. So I'm excited for those to launch. That will be next month. And Helen Wild, who's um, working on some new embroidery pieces, those will launch in February. And we have a couple new artists as well. Um, One who I can think of off the top of my head, her name's Rebecca Adler. She's based in Pennsylvania. And she did, I, I will say she did do a very small release around the holidays, sort of as part of our holiday shop. Um, but she's going to do an independent collection. And um, if you look her up on the site now, you can kind of see her style. She does these female portraits, but they're very geometric and colorful. Um, And she does a lot of figure work, which I don't have a lot of on the site right now. So I'm excited to get some more female figures up for people. That's super exciting. Um, We'll have to look out for all of that. Yeah. My final question is, where can people find you? So those who aren't familiar with you, um, let them know your Instagram handle, your website URL, um, and anything else you want to share. That way they can go check out your art, um, make some purchases, or just follow along and support you. Yeah, I would love to. So the website is shopdocent, and docent is D-O-C-E-N-T. .com. And on my website, you can sign up for the newsletter. And that is where a lot of um, sneak peeks, any special sales that we sometimes do, the email newsletter is the first place to find those things. So I always encourage people to sign up for that. And on social media, um, my handle is shopdocent. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok too. So you can find me there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tessa. It's been so fun learning more about your business and even some tips about art. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 